G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. When I went to the Billy Graham Evangelists Conference of 10,000 evangelists from every country in the world, there was an African man there, and uh, his, his full title was a Bishop Alexis Bilabagando. And he said, Oh, why don't you come to Rwanda? I'll get the visas organized and you can come and, and help with what I'm doing. Uh, he and his wife and two children survived the genocide. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part three of our conversation with Gavin Balch, who has conducted many film workshops over the years and has taught media classes at the Bible College of Victoria. Last time, we heard how he began to teach students how to make videos to tell their stories and to help them heal from various traumas. We ended as he was sharing how the Lord brought him to an evangelistic conference in Amsterdam, where he struck up a conversation with Ted Bear, who was the founder and publisher of Movie Guide, the family guide to movies and entertainment. Ted is also the chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission Ministry in Hollywood. Now, here's more of Gavin Bolch sharing his story with Eric Scadabo and about the chat he had with Ted Bear. Yes, Ted was was having a coffee and you know, th- th- there was no one else having a coffee, but I was needing the break, literally. And I thought I'd have a coffee. And I went over and said, oh, hi, how are you? We started talking. And all he said was, I don't know why I'm saying this. I hardly know you, but I want you on my board. And really? It's like, it's Just like, after a little chat? Yes. Check it with him. He'll let you know. <laughs> and it's like, really? Okay, what, what, who are you? What do you do? Now, he's well connected in Hollywood. Yes, he is. Extremely connected. Yeah. Well connected. And um, he graciously wavered some fees which board members they are positioned and mm. wealthy people because mm. typically yeah you do a fundraiser twice a year to raise over a million dollar to run what we would call um it, it, oh, wait it, a second called, you're this guy that's going to sleep underneath pews yes. in a church and yes all right that's, <laughs> <laughs> i'm seeing the contrast here yeah, yeah okay I, I, well that's the, the contrast is there because it was a contrast to me it's like i don't even know who ted is um Anyway, I would travel overseas to the board meetings and... Uh, Why do you think he wanted you on his board? He would have to answer that. <laughs> You've since become really good friends. Yes, yes. Um, okay, it just uh, is. Just good friend, good yep. deep friendship, trust. It's been quite a chat you had there. I, I must have been. <laughs> he liked your Australian accent, maybe. <laughs> that, that's what it was. Flavor of the month in America. We were at, at that stage. We need an Aussie. Yeah, yeah. Get him in, on the board. In the year 2000. And so um, I had the privilege, literally, of meeting a range of, of film stars who'd come to faith. Oh, okay. And we would have to raise large sums of money because there was the Movie Guide Awards and it was done the same week as the Oscars mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would invite the seven studios, major studios, to receive an award for producing a family-friendly or a redemptive mm. film. So that was a way of encouraging Hollywood to have yes. 
movies that were Christian friendly or family friendly? Family friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there were no surprises in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, to the point where when I first was on the board, which is at 2001, Hollywood had no, uh, what was it, review people, uh, review office um, for faith friendly films or family friendly films mm-hmm. specifically. And uh, each of the studios did open um, what, what what they called Paramount Faith, Disney Faith, da da, and they were looking at scripts and things which which were redemptive, mm-hmm. and and so you ended up with films like Amazing Grace, the story mm-hmm. of yeah, Force, just one, and even the early Spider Man films, you would have to say that they were redemptive films. Mm-hmm. They weren't preachy, but they were good films. Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man. that's the kind of thing yeah. that Ted and his organization. Yeah was trying to encourage in Hollywood. Yes. And on the board were were those who were involved in making, for instance, the film Amazing Grace. Mm. So I got to hear stories, and then um, the outcome of that was the Victorian government um, asked, would I run the William Wilberforce Awards? Um, of course, and, the movie Amazing Grace was about William Wilberforce. Yes, it was. How, how slavery then was stopped. Person who helped, yeah, stop yeah, slavery. Yeah, yeah, this this politician gave his life to, if possible, stopping slavery. And slavery, as of that time, was eventually stopped. And he's a famous Christian, and his yes. faith inspired him to stand up and help end slavery. Yeah, exactly. Christian hero yeah. for all of us. So I would uh, sometimes speak after the movie and just share some of the background story to how the film was made. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ted Bear had, had produced a book called Amazing Grace, which told the story of William Wilberforce. Mm-hmm. So that was a little thing, and that evidently got back to some people in, in the Victorian government there. And uh, so designed the awards, uh, found people for the awards. So whose idea was... It, it came it? out of um, a politician uh, who was down Sandringham Way. Uh, he, he was, you would say he was a, a liberal at the time, but uh, all parties supported the award and there were seven people that received it. So suddenly you're asked to organise a William Wilberforce Award. That's correct. Interesting how the Lord I, works I, these I have things no, out. <laughs> because I've never done those things. You know, we were talking about a, a different uh, yeah. m- mix of, of um, understanding or training to do, but they did happen, uh, and, and they were, were videoed, and um, I designed the award and, and just had a wonderful time meeting those. Part of the, the, the basis was that they had um, faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had uh, Professor Graham Clark, who was a Victorian who invented the cochlear ear mm-hmm. implant. He Christian. got an award. Um, Dame Elizabeth Murdoch. She received an award, and there were others uh, mm-hmm. with that. So that's just it. one chapter of your life. Yes, through all this networking. Well, I, I would say I, I wouldn't have known what networking really was. Well, they found you anyway. They found <laughs> me, and that, that was the bizarre thing because I'd, I'd say to Lee, "Oh, you won't believe what happened today." And I, I, I don't really know what to do, but they were so genuine in asking. Mm. I thought, well, I'll at least put some things together and see what they think and see where it goes. So that's what would happen. Well, speaking of where things would go, you eventually went to Albania, of all places. Yes. How did that come about? Well, um, I was teaching story and film out of Bible College of Victoria, which was based in um, Lilydale. And um, during one of my discussions, lectures, uh, a little lady, probably four foot 
six, if I can use old measurements, um, came in and, and interrupted the class and said, you, you have to come to Albania. Well, I wouldn't have known where Albania was. Uh, I, I certainly I, didn't until I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I even remembered where Tasmania was, but Albania <laughs> was somewhere else. And um, I was a bit, I brushed her off and a little bit arrogant. Look, I'm terribly sorry I'm teaching and, and I, I don't know why I'd be interested in coming. So she left and then uh, spoke to... We the, should say, for those who are geographically challenged, like yes. ourselves, <laughs> it's uh, across from Italy and near Greece. Correct. Yes. Shares a border with Greece. Yes, Okay. okay, so um, I found out that, that she was a guest um, speaker as well. So I got on my knees and knocked on the front door of the little uh, unit she was in and I apologised profusely. I said, I don't know who you are and I was somewhat rude and brushed you off. Would you ask me again? So she said, would I come and help her encourage people who were ignored and they would have some disadvantaged physical... Disability. Yeah, disability. Mm-hmm because they were treated not very well, these children and young adults, and they'd just come out of communism, mm-hmm. and some were disabled because they were lined up on, on an edge of a pit and shot in the head or the wow. neck. Um, so this basically was a form of infanticide yes. that was going on in Albania yeah. or, or those post-communism. Who, yes. Uh, um, or in, during no, communism. No, no, that, no, there's two. During communism, those who were... Uh, not liked by the government, uh, who were dispensed with, disposed mm. of. Mm. Some of them lived through that, mm. and uh, but they had disability because their, their spine or, or they were tortured, they'd be totally broken in, mm. in some way. Yeah, uh, but there was no help for them when communism fell. Mm. There were children who were dispensed with, mm. even for as little as a cleft palate or hair lip. They were just abandoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so we would pick up, literally pick up in our arms, children. Um, so she abandoned. wanted you to come to Albania to help them. Yeah. Now, a, you're a filmmaker. How are you? What did she think? Well, I don't know. Just help them tell stories. In fact, my first visit of, of 10 days or more, um, I couldn't speak the language. Uh, and she had to leave the country quickly to get some funds from Scandinavia, and she didn't even have time to tell me she had to catch a plane and fly out. So suddenly she's missing. She's missing, and I'm using gesturing, uh, like because there was no language mm. other, and I was pointing to broken cups, trying to say I'm also broken, mm. and you know you're broken, and I'm mm. broken, and mm. uh, drawing things on paper or making little drums for, for some of the younger kids who like to tap saucepans for a drum and 10 days of, I don't know, just surviving in this environment that, mm. you know, the, the meal would be a leaf of lettuce and a boiled egg once a day or twice a day. There wasn't much food. Um, and At this point, are you wondering, why am I here? Oh, yes. Why did I go? Yeah. Because she's not here, the lady who I was moved by her story. And then she came back a day before I was actually to fly out because that was my ticket. And uh, she said, oh, the children have asked us to meet together. So they put, you know, she could speak Albanian and so forth. And um, they were producing things that that they'd hidden in their clothes, like a cup and that. But they were telling her how it was that they had suffered with their disability Mm. because they were traumatised and were unable to because 
they had, um, you know, their minds had protected them by um, placing it in some little space in the mind where repressing, repressing the, trauma, yes. the memory. Um, but through this gesturing, right, symbolism, let's call it, or, or using a, a, an inanimate object to mm. explain something about them, they were beginning to tell her how it happened and naming the trauma mm. that, that was really affecting them. And they were becoming more active and aware that... And finding their voice. Yes. You see, they had no voice. Mm. And, and this is the situation when something's repressed. Well, you're not talking about it. You can't. Mm. You don't have, we don't have anything. It's too painful to even part remember something hmm. but this was helping them oh it, it, it was but i didn't know that hmm. but it did and so from there i went back six seven or oh, nine times i think and worked further with her i even took a young american man who i'd known for some years who was a quadriplegic hmm. to encourage others that they could do something by having an implement in their mouth like a pen or a stick or a straw Yes, tell us about your friend. Andy Phelps, he, uh, a lovely young man who had taught himself to edit film. And I used to uh, visit... By using a pencil in his mouth? Yes, well, what you do, the early mouse had a ball underneath it. So if you mm -hmm. turned a mouse... Yep, I remember the early right, With mouses. the ball, yeah. okay, so we're talking about the years... Uh, about 2000, early 2000. Yeah. If you turned the mouse upside down and you poked it with a stick, you could make the ball roll, which meant... You could move the cursor around That's right. a computer screen yeah. by pushing that ball mm -hmm. with an upside-down mouse yeah. with a pencil yeah. and those who that couldn't, he put in his mouth. Yeah. And those who couldn't talk could type, right? Mm -hmm. Could edit. Or the, the thing was the world opened up. Yeah. The, the, yeah. They had access to something outside of I, mm -hmm. me, and myself. Yeah. So you brought which, Andy... Yep, to Albania. Yes, to, to inspire, inspire and encourage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you did that several times. Yes. The Lord only knows the legacy of uh -huh. helping them. Well, there's share an, their story. There's an interesting word, legacy. I, I'll never know. I have a sense that here and there you you hear of one or two help it, but but you mm -hmm. don't even have to know that. That's not why you do it. To know, mm -hmm. you find yourself somewhere. And you lose the focus on I, me, and myself and place it on another, and that other becomes a significant other. Mm -hmm. And you trust and pray that you leave something that is good and positive and right and is a vehicle for mm -hmm. them to engage in a more abundant way, life and living. So using art and creativity to help people heal yes. from trauma yes. and other challenges. Yes. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Gavin Bolch about his incredible adventures related to media in many parts of the world. We'll hear more of Gavin's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Gavin Bolt sharing his incredible adventures related to media in many parts of the world. Before the break, we heard about how the Lord led him to Albania, 
Next, we'll hear how the Lord opens a door for him to go to Rwanda as he continues his chat with Eric Scatterbo. Not surprisingly, you were named the chaplain to the arts in Melbourne. Uh, yes, that, that got around some circles and I would uh, pray before that Christian or the dance group or whatever it was uh, performed somewhere. And um, uh, that led me to Rwanda after the genocide. Okay. How did you end up in Rwanda? Uh, okay, let, let me try and condense this. When I went to the, the Billy Graham Evangelists Conference of 10,000 evangelists from every country in the world, there was an African man there, and uh, his, his full title was uh, Bishop Alexis Bilibagando, and um, we would have at least one meal a day together, and we talked, we just mm-hmm. chatted, mm-hmm. and he said, oh, um, why don't you come to Rwanda one day, um, you know, I'll, I'll get the visas organized and you can come and, and help with what I'm doing. For what reason? I guess it was the creativity thing. Okay. I mean, I've never really fully unpackaged the whys and why someone was moved in a You're particular just way. Just invited to all these places. <laughs> but his his title was this, and I'll just read it off the uh, off the book cover. Uh, Alexis Bilbaganda is the Anglican Bishop of Gahini in Rwanda. He created the Barakabahu Foundation, which now cares for eight thousand children in foster families, and has pioneered trauma counselling in the country. And so, um, oh, so he must have heard how you used film and creativity to help in, in our people recovering from trauma. Yeah, in our conversations, yeah. it must have come out. Yeah, so it's a natural fit. All, All right. the trauma that the people yes in Rwanda okay. who've gone through. Okay, and I don't know what that's like and what he's gone through, but uh, he and his wife and two children survived mm-hmm. the genocide, mm-hmm. and they were walking out of the jungle, and he was so angry with God. <sighs> Why was he left alive when his whole f- other family, like parents and, and others, were were killed? And as he walked out of the, let's call it the jungle or the bush, other children who'd been hiding were walking out too. And, of course, these are orphans, literally. No parents, destroyed uncles, aunties, cousins, siblings. And so he thought the orphanage system may not work because... When the nice, pretty little children go and the others come into puberty, nobody really wants to take a teenager that's going through puberty. That's mm. that's going to be hard to do. And and the not-quite-so-pretty ones left behind. So he wanted to do something else. So he had the child-headed households he created. And so he asked survivors, young teenagers, mm. after the genocide, would you be willing to take two, four, six, eight of these children who you don't know, you're not even related to other than your particular tribe mm. that the genocide was inflicted upon. Would you raise these kids for the next 10 years? And they said yes, because they had no family. This was now going to be their family. And it wasn't that, that many years ago, uh, eight or so years ago, that the um, the president of uh, Rwanda said, you've raised these children, now we are giving you free education. Go back to school and become what you think you should be. Mm. So he honoured these wonderful kids who raised other kids to be a um, whole and contributing community of um, Rwanda. And he asked you... Yeah, would I go... To come okay, there. Which I did. To do yeah. what you do as what, far what as I making did. the short films. Yeah. So yet another country that yeah. you've been involved in. 
yes. invited to yeah. go to. We should also say that you were the uh, Victoria Police Chaplain in the mid two thousands, uh huh, as well. Yeah. Yet another thing that you had your fingers in, <laughs> I guess you could say. So a lot of people know about your filmmaking and a lot of invitations coming your way. Uh, we have to wrap up. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but who would have thought from your childhood? I mean, dyslexia, challenges with abuse. You're a survivor of sexual abuse and haven't been mute for a while, literally yes. losing your voice, Yes. to going around the world helping people find their voice and heal from different types of trauma. Any overarching things that we can learn from this, this story arc that you've been on? I think everyone feels that they're silenced in some way mm. and it's finding a way to give someone a voice, mm. right? And um, that's even if we become a good listener instead of a bad talker mm. and we listen to what someone has to say and we learn from them and then um, often... Yeah, it's no good having a voice if no one's listening. Yeah, that's right. So listening is a big part of it, what it you is. do. It mm-hmm. is. And, and becoming um, a friend that uh, we seem to live very defensively in life and the point is to listen to another point of view who can benefit and add on to your point of view and you still remain friends and in a safe environment where you are a friend to another and what does that book of wisdom the bible say love god with all your heart and mind and and being and love your neighbor as yourself Mm -hmm. and that means um i me and myself will fade a little bit and it'll be more about the other person and so um i think that's that's love in action Mm -hmm. we should mention that you're also a minister i am well i had been but i wasn't ordained till 2002 it took, well, took, still ordained. <laughs> took, took me 20 years to get to that. But um, I see the whole of life as the opportunity to give a something to somebody else mm. who has a need. Um, you can't save the world, but you can help one person at a time. Mm. And you've been invited various places, as we've heard. Mm-hmm. And anybody, you see, all of us, we have to call this a level playing field. There's no one that, that's greater than another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are created in God's image and um, he, he loves us and it has a purpose and sometimes we find that. And um, we allow and we embrace what happens on a daily basis and mm-hmm. give thanks for it because it will, even in difficult times, lead to something that is good and purposeful and helpful to the society in which we live. So we begin with some idea or vision, call it. It's going to cost you something. There's a risk. Mm. There's a cost. Mm. Time might be finance. Whatever it is, pay it or pay it forward Mm. uh, is is a common expression. To leave what? A legacy. Mm -hmm. What's a legacy? Well, it's something that's good that will improve the life and lot of another. Mm -hmm. And in that, they may discover that there's more to just themselves and, and the material world, but there is a purpose from a living God and uh, revealing himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Gavin Volch, the helper of other people, telling their stories. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you for listening. God bless you. 
Well, that was quite an extraordinary journey that Gavin Bolch has been on and continues to be on today. It's hard to keep track of all the places he's been to and all the projects that he's been part of. As we heard, he was always open to where the Lord was leading him, and this led him to incredible adventures. As it says in the book of Proverbs, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Well, thanks for joining us for this three-part series, chatting with Gavin Bolch about his incredible story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.